Hello and welcome to podcast 33 from Football at Anya, your home of Dutch football. I'm Michael Statham and I'm with Football at Anya editor Michael Bell and writer James Rowe this evening to talk about all of the summer transfer dealings of the Eredivisie clubs and Dutch clubs' fortunes in European competition this week. You're listening to us on YouTube, SoundCloud or iTunes. Don't forget to support footballatanya.com with a like and a subscribe wherever you're listening. Before we start, I must tell listeners that even though we received so many great questions this week on Twitter for this podcast, we cannot answer all of them. Those that we didn't answer will be answered on our next podcast in only a week's time when we'll be previewing the new Eredivisie season. Enjoy. I think let's start with uh, Ajax's win against Sturmgratz. They won 2-0, it was a Champions League qualifier. First of three rounds before they can reach the group stages of either the Champions League or the Europa League. Um, and it was the first, I guess, official match of the 2018-19 season involving Dutch teams. Um, what did both of you make of the match? I know, James, you went to go and see the match in the stadium, right? Yeah, I went to watch the match live and uh, I thought it was, uh, it was a decent win. Uh, they done well not to concede an away goal. I thought the um, I thought Elijah Schoner was very lucky with his penalty because it was a really poor penalty, and he managed to fo- uh, follow up with the rebound, which gives him a little bit of breathing space. Uh, the crowd really got behind the official debuts of Dusantadic and Daily Blind, and uh, they were really raucous and passionate, especially when they both came on. And also uh, Kyle Eiting and uh, Kai Seahouse also came into the fold uh, later on in the game. So. Um, be interesting to see uh, how they approach the second leg but it, it, the first thing that struck me having watched them for the first time this season in in, um, in such a game is having attended the European matches from years gone by against Nice and Rosenborg and many many others through the years they appear to have learnt their lesson that they've got to take their chances at this level otherwise they don't they don't have any chance of uh, making the group stages of the Europa League or, or even the Champions League and you could tell that Huntelaar had chances and he was a little bit too eager but uh, he got himself in some good positions I think he just tried a bit too hard at certain times but they can be um, they can be very happy with their 2-0 lead and it should be enough uh, to to finish the tie off in uh, in Austria and that will lead them to a two-legged tie against Belgian side standardly age. I think in, um, if you look to Ajax and the way they played you have to say the strength was midfield. I think Hakim Ziyech was unplayable in the first half. He was excellent. He was behind everything that they did did well. And uh, Mazzarelli on the right-hand side, um, they had a nice little connection on the, the wing, which, you know, Sturm Graz just couldn't deal with. But I think if you're Eric Ten Hag, you'd be worried that, one, they did have a lot of chances and they only scored twice. Um, I think they should have won this game 3 or 4 nil. But at the start of the game, they were also very shaky at the back. And probably one of the reasons for that is Frankie de Jong still playing in the centre defence. Um, obviously, Daley Blind maybe not fit enough to start, but I think going forward, he needs to move Frankie de Jong back into midfield where he's strongest and have an actual defender there. Because on his European nights, one away goal could have been an absolute disaster. And there's a few chances that Sturmgratz had um, on the counter that could have opened him up because Frankie de Jong just roams forward. Um, at will and it can, sometimes leaves them a bit short. But I think overall the performance was was excellent from the midfield. Tadic came on and he looked very lively. Um, the only worry is Huntelaar up front. He had several chances to score and fluffed all of them. Um, and this sort of stems from last season as well. I don't think 
anyone watching Ajax would have said that Hunter had a great season and Dolberg was, you know, he was injury prone last season. He had, when he was fit, he lacked a bit of confidence in front of goal. Most of his goals were penalties. Um, my only worry for Ajax going into the new season is who scores the goals, really. Um, yeah, you say that about Hunter Law. He's out of form and Kasper Dolberg, his replacement, they're both vying for the striker's role. He's not really in the best of form, is he? He hasn't been for a little while, actually. The whole of last season, he was struggling with injuries and now it's his time to come back. He hasn't really been the same. Why do you think that is? I think what plays a part as well is not just his, his injury last season, but on the final day of the summer transfer window, uh, Monaco rejected a 40, 49 million bid from Monaco uh, for Dolberg. And, um, and they rejected it because they had no time to find a replacement. And it's understandable. But I think for Dolberg as well, you know, when such a club as Monaco comes in for you and you can't go, that I think mentally that, that does something to you where you think, you know, although he's done very well at Ajax and he was a tremendous signing from Silkeborg, that um, maybe he's thinking and he said that if he'd have had the opportunity to go to Monaco and to go to a, a better league uh, in the French league and play his trade, that uh, I think that might have affected him a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a... It was totally just a confidence thing with, with Dolberg. His link-up playing, his technical ability is without question. He's an excellent prospect. It's just, I think there's something on his mind last season. He's, he comes into this season probably with something to prove and uh, hopefully we'll see the best of him this year. Apart from that, though, the, the strikers, I guess, we're picking at weaknesses here, but around these players are many, several talented midfielders and the defenders as well. How how are Ajax keeping hold of De Ligt, Frank de Jong, many, many players? And they've added Tadic, Daily Blint. Can they afford this or do you think players are going to leave? I personally think that maybe there hasn't been as much interest as Ajax maybe thought there would be. I know Barcelona have followed de Jong and I don't think they're going to give up. I think they're waiting to see if Ajax exit the Champions League. Um, I think Hakim Ziyech, he will go eventually, I think. His performance against Drum Gratz will only, you know, heighten the interest in him. Um, De Ligt is an interesting one. I thought as soon as he signed Daily Blind that he was he was going to go. Um, I think a lot of Ajax excitement around the signings of Tadic and Blind, they, they seem to think that Mark Overmars has now opened the purse strings and they're all saying, oh, now we're changing tact and we're going to spend all this money. But, you know, if... Bayern Munich or whoever come in for De Ligt, they're going to pay 50 million. If whoever comes in for ZX is going to pay 30 million, it's going to engulf whatever they've paid for those two players and they're going to make a huge profit this summer. And I think, you know, there's still a month to go to the transfer window, there's still a long time. Um, and I think ZX will definitely go away. If they exit the Champions League, De Jong will go. And I think there's still a big question mark over De Ligt. I think it's telling that the transfer window closes earlier this year than previous years. And I still think that... Um that business will be done right at the very end. I think uh, Mike makes a very good point about the uh, potential European um, exploits of Ajax and the, um, and the ramifications that might have. But um, I've, I'd like to advocate in the case of De Ligt that he chooses the right club because it's very important. You know, I watched him again on, um, <clears throat> on, tu on Tuesday night and even though it's European football and playing against one of the biggest teams in Austria, Okay, not the highest level, but his composure on the ball and his um, 
and his movement and just to be so calm without the ball and also with the ball is, is very impressive and I hope that if he does leave that he goes to a club a la Bayern Munich for example that will look after him will be where he'll be able to um, ease himself in because it would be an absolute crying shame if such a player was to uh, to only feature coming on a sub or playing in Champions League dead rubbers or even um, uh, domestic cup games. I think that would stunt his growth and I don't think that would do him any favours at all. Okay, uh, the, the, if these players can stay then and um, Ajax can play Blint and Tadic loads, get those games in, they've got a really quality side. Cam asked a question on Twitter, is the reason for Overmars getting Blint and Tadic because there is so much pressure to win the league this year? Partly. Um, I think the other part to that question is the Overmars uh, stating in previous weeks that he wants Ajax to become the Bayern Munich of the Netherlands in terms of dominance. So I think um, I think those signings uh, play a part in that. But I, I think it was it was necessary as well. They have haven't won a, a trophy for four years and really need to um, to start winning again. And the upheaval of last season with a change of manager around Christmas time. Um, they need some stability and, and they need to win something this season and I think they realise that at board level and I think they will win something this season I'm, uh, I know, I'm, I'm no, no doubt we'll, uh, we'll talk about it as uh, maybe in this pod and in the preview pods for the, for, the coming, uh, for the coming weeks but I think with how they've brought and how they've gone about their business I think if they manage to keep things reasonably together they must, uh, they must be favourites to win the Eredivisie this season in my opinion yeah, I think um, Ajax have seen Feyenoord win it. They've seen PSV the past couple of years win it. I think it's, and uh, they've tried the past couple of years to go with youngsters, and you know they brought Hantoir back last year on a free, and it hasn't really worked. I think the fans have been calling for years for Overmars to spend some money. Um, you know, it's a rich club that has plenty of money to sell players for millions. They have the means to actually go out and spend money. It's about time that they start doing it, and uh, if they want to be the Bayern Munich of the Netherlands, it's going to cost them. Um, and it's, it's good to see that a club with a Dutch club with the coefficient so bad and Dutch football so mind going out and buying Premier League players in the prime of their careers. It's something that we've seen for years. It's usually the other way. Um, clubs go to the Premier League when they're in their prime and then come back when they're older. But, you know, Dusan Tadic and Blind, 27, 28, they should be coming to Ajax now with the best years ahead of them, which is good to see. It's funny you say that. I watched an interview with uh, Matthijs De Ligt and he said, and, and he was almost surprised at how Blint came back so early in his career. And it's things like that that might send signals to him that actually staying at Ajax isn't such a bad thing to do. It's going to be the right place for him to develop, at least for another year. And, you know, if if, if they can use the players around, around him to get to the Champions League, then that may well persuade him to stay. Um, and that brings me on to my question from Abdul, who says, uh, who asked, do you, know, do you think that Ajax and PSV can qualify together to the Champions League? It hasn't happened in a while, and I guess my answer to that would be that it depends solely on the draw. Yeah, I agree. And also, where, where the second leg is. Because if you look at the potential um, opponents in the final playoff round, you've got Benfica, uh, Fenerbahce. Um, it's going to be... Um, it's going to entirely depend on the draw. Um, looking back at the Champions League last year when I was at the game against Nice, they were fully in control against Nice, winning 2-1, draw, 
trying to see the game out and then all of a, all of a sudden the equaliser came from Nice to make it 2-2 and Ajax went out on away goals. So the small margins at this level, but obviously it fully depends on the draw, but if I had to give an answer to Abdul's question, I think that one of the two will make it and the other one will play in the Europa League, if, if that's my um, premature opinion, but that's, uh, that's what I'm going to go with. I agree with that. I think one will definitely make it. But I hope it's probably the best chance for years that we might have two Dutch clubs in the Champions League group stages. I think Standard Liège and Sturm Graz aren't, with all due respect to those two clubs, the hardest draw that Ajax could have got. And it's a fantastic chance with the players that they've got to reach the playoffs. And then it's two legs and it could be in the group stages. Um, I think PSV will get a kinder draw because they're champions. Uh, they might get an easier playoff. Um, It'd be amazing for Dutch football if two clubs could make it and so important for the future. Uh, question from Eamon. Due, due to the plight of Dutch football, with Ajax signing Tadic and Blint, final signing Klassie on loan, um, PSV retaining Verkwein and Lozano, is there a sense of urgency for Dutch clubs to do well in Europe to improve the standard of football? I would, I would say so, but I think it's more that they want to get their own house in order and they want to get stronger domestically. I don't. I don't think they're necessarily thinking about the the coefficient of Dutch football. I think their all respective clubs are focusing on what they have to do. For example, Ajax going out and signing the players they've signed. PSV taking a punt on appointing Van Bommel um, with hardly any experience apart from uh, an assistant, and and PSV going about their their um, going about their way with the how they their approach, how they want to do things and and how they keep everything as one within uh, within the club. And I think with uh, Feyenoord as well, I think Classy is a good loan signing for them. And I think Van Persie will, pay, will play a, a role this season in, the, in bringing uh, the youngsters on. I saw that the striker Dylan, Dylan uh, Venter uh, stated that he wants at least um, uh, 10, he wants to take part in at least 10 matches and he has a he has a an objective of scoring seven goals. So I think um, I think um, I mean has a point. But I I I think personally that the clubs are are focusing more on themselves and what they have to do, and not necessarily about the uh, the necessities that the Dutch clubs have have at European level. Yeah, I, I agree with you, James. Um, purely because I think the the signings that teams are making are. Um, are more of a reaction to winning the title again. Ajax are very keen to go and do that. Um, final bringing Classy back. To be fair, Classy isn't getting a lot of games where he is at Southampton, so coming back to final is maybe the right choice. PSV getting to keep their best players is a fantastic move, and um, I think we'll definitely see Lozano in a PSV shirt for one more season. Uh, but you say about Mark Van Bommel, well, what do you think, James? What do you think about his chances? Because I think I know that we both sit on opposite side of the fence about how we think he'll do this season. Um, I don't think he's going to do as well as what everybody hopes. Um, I that is a was a tremendous player, and uh, everywhere he went, he had success, and that, and that's wonderful. And there can be no doubt in the footballing talent that the man had. But to for this to be your very first job as a, a full professional manager in football I think is a big is a big ask and I can understand that um that the PSV uh, took the similar route with Koku many years ago but I I I can't see 
Van Bommel making a, a huge mark. Uh, now, over time, I think he will. I think over time at PSB, if he stays there for um, three or four seasons, he will eventually become a success. But I don't think in his debut season that he'll be uh, he'll be pulling up any trees in terms of PSV winning the title. But uh, we shall just have to wait and see. I see your opinion, James. Um, but I I think it's 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 cautious to say that he won't succeed at PSV. I think that it does help that he has the players at his disposal that he does. Um, but what does interest me, and I know they're only friendlies, but the friendly results of PSV have been very promising. They're scoring a lot of goals. And I think that will really help them um, in the games where Koku struggled last season. And that was uh, teams at home where he really struggled to break them down, break their defence down. Um, and even though PSV did win the title by a comfortable margin, I think the way that Van Bommel's got his attack attacking players set up, I do think that it will help break teams down a lot quicker. And we'll see a lot more convincing results this season. Interesting. Yeah, Van Bommel's, since he's come in, he's stated that he wants to play a more attacking, fluid style of football and he's worked a lot on the player's fitness. Um, I've seen a lot of articles about how he's changing things on the training ground. He's a lot more rigorous with the, the fitness and I think throughout the season, I think we'll see that have benefits on PSV. I think they've done well on the transfer market. I think they're going to lose Arias, but Denzel Dumfries is an amazing replacement for them. Um, just the amount of assists that he gets, even in pre-season already, he's, he's started getting them. He's got two or three already. Um, Angelino, he's, he was excellent at NAC last season. And from dead ball situations, he's excellent. He scores free kicks. He's an excellent corner taker. And with somebody like De Jong in the box, that's going to guarantee goals. I think PSV go into the season with so many weapons. Uh, if they can add another attacking midfielder to replace Van Hinkle, they're, they're for me, favourites to win the title. I don't, Really mind it's Van Bommel's first season. Um, I think all around the group knows each other, and know how to play. They've got so many exciting young talents coming through. I think they're going into the season looking very good. Uh, so some really good opinions from, from you guys about Ajax and PSV. And just to let listeners know, we will be talking a lot more about Feyenoord next time. Um, but our main topic for the podcast today is about uh, Dutch clubs in Europe and some transfers. So. Let's come back to the results in Europe. Um, RZ lost to Kazakhstan side uh, Kaidats and they lost 2-0. And Vitesse drew 2-2 with Romanian side Vitrolo. Um what do, what do you guys think about those matches? And was it a surprise about those results or not? The RZ one was a particular nasty surprise because they've given themselves a mountain to climb and to get knocked out of Europe at the first hurdle for a club who's invested so heavily in youth and done so well in recent years would be a big shock. Um, fair play to Vitesse. Um, I didn't think that they would uh, find their way back into the game, but they managed to get, pick up two um, priceless away goals, which you would hope with home advantage would uh, will see them through. But um, it's it's still going to be tough. And I, I've been saying for years, not, not just on this podcast, but on other podcasts as a fan of European football in general, the gap between the seasoned and bigger European clubs and the smaller clubs is getting smaller and smaller and smaller every year and this this is so apparent it's untrue and you see in the case of uh, Kairat who have uh, Andrea Sharvin is um, as their um, as in their team you know they played at home to I said and they won um, 
they won 2-0 and they've given themselves a fantastic chance to make progress in Europe and I would fear for Arsenal a little bit if they was to go out um, at the first hurdle against Kayadat because I, I fear that that may well set the tone for the start of the season and, and it would be difficult for the players to accept and the manager as well so uh, it be interesting to see what happens. I watched the whole of the AZ game and to describe their performance as horrific as being pleasant um, it was shockingly bad the goals that they conceded were schoolboy errors um, I think if you're looking at Ron Voir as being a starting centre back for AZ in the coming season they're not going to finish in the top three again um, he slipped up for the first goal the striker slipped up as well but Voir uh, couldn't get up in time then he just had a free run and goal uh, the second one the boy was left totally unmarked to the back post um, it was so easy Going forward, I couldn't count a single chance in the second half when he thought maybe second half to go for it to throw all caution to the wind or too busy playing back passes for their defence and it could easily have been 3 or 4 nil to Kairat who looked deadly on the counter. I think you've got to blame um, their stagnation in the, the transfer market for this because Veghorst has been gone for, for a while and they got £10 million for him. Um, and they haven't signed a replacement until today. Going into the game, Fred Friday, yes, he had a few good games in pre-season, but if you watched his performance yesterday, he's not cut out for a European level. He was so bad. He couldn't, couldn't control the ball, let alone pass to a teammate. It was, it was shocking. Um, if they had Bjorn Johnson up front, he might not be the, the greatest, but you know, he had 19 goals for Ado last season. He's a target man. He's a threat in the box. Um, he would have been much better. You know, Johan Bakash, he's gone now, but he brought in 25 million plus and they were haggling with Ado Den Hag over a 2 million fee when they've made 35 million this summer. It's, it's not good enough and they should have had these signings wrapped up before the game um, and they paid the price for it. Yes, in the home leg, their dominance means that they could probably win 3-4-0, but if they go out, it's I think they've only got themselves to blame. Um, I think they underestimated Kairat. Uh, who are no mugs, you know, second in the Kazakhstan League last year and the cup winners. And I think, as James says, the the level of these nations are getting higher and higher and you can't take them for granted anymore. Yeah, some fair comments there. Um, but why why are RZ taking their team for granted in that they've got the main base of what they had from last season, but they've lost their best players, Vekhorst and Johanbach. Um I, I personally, Michael, I'm not convinced by Bjorn Johnson, the new striker from Arden Den Haag. He, unless he's going to be a late bloomer in his career, he's 26, but has only just hit this this level in his career. Um, and they're going to be replacing Johan Bach with Calvin Stengs, who's still recovering from his in, his long-term injury, still trying to regain fitness. Is this team really good enough to compete in Europe and finish you know, in the top three for the area de busy again? I don't think so, no. I, I can't see them turning the second leg around because I think Kailat will score. And um, I think it's going to, hopefully not, but I, I fear that it's going to set the tone for the new season. I think I said they've done a very noble thing to invest so well in the youth policy with a new training complex and, and really reap the rewards that I think identifying talent on the transfer market maybe their eye has been taken off of that slightly if you compare if you compare that to PSV with uh, Dumfries 
that's a tremendous signing, a, a fantastic signing. And it just proves that in the case of Dumfries, starting out at Sparta, having a wonderful season, making the step to Hewden Vane, uh, getting stronger, getting better, and now playing for PSV, it, it just goes to show that if you look hard enough, there are there are players to be found that still come through the, the traditional route, for example. Uh, football and your listeners uh, and, uh, and readers will know how highly I rate um, Vitesse midfielder Brian Linson. I, I've rated him since his very favourite demo days. And, um, you know, a player like that, for example, who's uh, been important when he was at Heracles, was important for Groningen, it was very important for Vitesse last season. You would think that I said would be proactive to look at players like that and think, well, you know, with his goals and assists, he could do us, uh, he could do us the world of good. We're going for him, but I think they've they've just been so focused on their um, youth policy that they may be taking their eye off potential targets in the domestic league, perhaps. Well, Calvin Staines is an exceptional talent, and when he comes back, he's you're only judging this off of four or five games, but that those four or five games that we saw him in were exceptional um before he got injured against PSV he tore that defense apart uh constantly I know it was only five or six minutes but he looked like he was going to lead AZ to victory and at the back end of last season he was sensational and he's one of the big hopes for Dutch football along with Myron Boadu the 17 year old who started on the left wing yesterday so them two with Idrissi means that their wings are fine um, the only thing I say about Jonsson signing he is a late bloomer but if you had said to me Weghorst, when he was playing at Heracles, was going to go to AZ, have two great seasons, then play for Wolfsburg and be a Dutch international, I would have laughed because I would have been like, no, he's, he's not good enough. But there's something about the training at AZ that improved him as a player and he became, he was, he was excellent last season. I think they could do the same with Jonsson and if he links up well with the wingers, then he could be in our success. He is a late bloomer, but sometimes that happens, and I think he'll be. I think he'll score a lot of goals for AZ this season. You know, you've got me there with that comment about Vechos, because I was definitely in the same opinion. Um, Vechos wasn't good enough, was he, when when he first signed for AZ a couple of years ago? Um, but wow, the development he's had has just been amazing. But I guess it does help with all those players that you've got around you. AZ are so good at the way they build a play, and if they get the right striker that fits into the system, then perfect. Uh, I, what I'd like to do now is um, I, I'd like to again insist that listeners, if you are looking for the Eredivisie preview podcast, we are releasing one next week. But if we're still going to focus on the transfer market side of things, uh, a question from Alex is what have been the best acquisitions, player or manager, for smaller Eredivisie sides this summer that could see them overachieve next season? Player-wise, I think here in Wien, uh, getting Sam Lammers from PSV, I think he'll score double figures this season. Um, I think he's a very talented striker. You can't get ahead of Luke de Jong right at the moment. Um, PSV have done well to set him at here in Wien. He's going to start the whole season. I think he'll score. Uh, yeah, I hope 20 goals because I want to see him in the Dutch national team in the future, but we'll see. Um, but I think the big winners in the Eredivisie outside the top five this summer have been Pex Vola. Um, signing Clint Lehmans and Vito Van Croy from VVV Venlo uh, that's two excellent players they both had great seasons last year Pex Vola didn't um, have that great a year so I think these two will um, elevate them higher 
Uh, I think they'll go back into challenging for Europe. I know they released plans earlier this summer saying that they want to be a, a top eight club every year. They want to be in Europe every second year. They want to be, you know, challenging for that fifth spot outside the, you know, the PSVs, the Ajaxes, Feyenoords and AZs. They want to be the next big one. And they're looking at selling shares to raise all this funds for money at Hexvall. I think these two signings, along with all the youngsters there, Seth Vandenberg, there's a lot of good talent there. Um, I think Kronigan have done very well as well. They raised the funds to get Ritsu Doan on a permanent deal, the Japanese midfielder who had an excellent season last year. And getting Matteo Cassiera from Ajax on loan, I think he has a big point to prove to Ajax. He was top goal scorer for young Ajax last year in the Erste Divisie. Hasn't really shown it in their division so far, and I think this is a big season for him. Yeah, good analysis there of um, the Eredivisie sides that have been very active in the transfer market this summer. Uh, if we look further afield now um, at some of the Dutch players abroad, um, I guess the biggest story has been David Klaassen leaving Everton, the German side Werder Bremen. What are his chances there? Do you think he'll finally get that move abroad right? Do you think he'll finally get the, the games that he deserves? Yes. And I think it can't come soon enough for him because I think he'll be chomping it a bit to um, to get back to playing because it was such a shame that things went for him for the way they did, especially under the tutelage of Allardyce. So I think Allardyce completely ignored him. And uh, obviously, Clarkson has got qualities that Allardyce was never really interested in or could, ne- could not really understand in terms of how to play that player in terms of getting the best for your team. And I think it's a good it's a good league, the Bundesliga. Um, I think Klaassen will slowly find his feet. And I think it, he'd be wise to stay there as long as he can because Werder Bremen is also a, uh, it's also a good club. You know, it played uh, European football um, not, not so long ago, won a, uh, won a Bundesliga title, I think it was uh, a decade ago now, perhaps. Uh, and um, they do have pedigree. pedigree. So I think uh, his nightmare is finally over. And he can look forward to playing for a seasoned German club and uh, slowly finding his feet again. And I think it's a very good move for him. I agree. I think it's an excellent move for him. Um, I'd like to see more Dutch players. I know Germany's a popular destination for them, but it seems that the Premier League has been an attraction for Dutch players in the past few years. Um, too many have gone there to go at clubs that are maybe lower down the table. You look at say for instance Luciano Narsing who you know a title winner at PSV decides to go to Swansea City because they're in the Premier League and now he's a championship player I think a lot more players need to look at going to the Bundesliga the Serie A and La Liga I think La Liga used to be a hot spot for Dutch talent but there's there's none now there's you know Silasen on the bench at Barcelona but you know that league used to be full of Dutch players and um, but not anymore I'd like to see a lot more decide against the Premier League and go around Europe um, because I think the style of play sits them better in different leagues than the Premier League. You've seen a lot of them fail in England over the past few years and I think, um, yeah, a, a smarter decision transfer-wise for the next few years will help the Dutch national team definitely. Uh, it's, it's interesting how Klaassen joins former Eredivisie players Milo Rasicca, Niklas Moisander and um, Adam Johansson at Werder Bremen. Maybe the club's got an eye on some of these players in the Dutch league, um, which may well help his, st- um, his style. Klaassen did say that he joined the club and was excited to play attractive attacking football, to quote him exactly. Um, so maybe he's in the right place now. Yeah, 
Yeah, you won't get that under Sam Allardyce ever in any way. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. Uh, next next one, I guess. Um, James, you want to talk about Ebersilio? Yes, I would like to. I took a city break to Belgrade uh, this week, and I went to watch Red Star Belgrade against FK Suduva from Lithuania. Red Star Belgrade won 3-0. And it's a real raucous atmosphere, so lovers of football away days, if you get yourself to Belgrade, you'll have a great time. But uh, Lorenzo Abicilio, who recently signed for Red Star, took that game by the scruff of the neck, scored an absolutely wonderful opening goal. And it re was really evident to me how he um, he started as he's uh, meant to go on in terms of signing for a very, very big club with a, a lot of history. And... Um, I think um, I think he'll have a very good season at Red Star. I think they'll qualify for Europe, uh, whether that be Champions League or, uh, or even Europa League. I think we'll see more of him. But uh, he had a, uh, I think he was previously with Apoel Nicosia in Cyprus. And um, I think it's a very good move. And he had a fantastic game. And uh, I, I I heard the name Ebisilio and I thought, well, I recognise that name. And then I did a bit more research when I come uh, back to my hotel and realised it was him. And... Uh, it's a tremendous opening goal. If people can look it up on YouTube, uh, Red Star Belgrade against Tuduva, you'll see a, a fantastic opening goal. Cool. Uh, speaking of former Ajax wingers, another player that's been on the move this summer, Yevola uh, Dilrosan. Um, the youngster played for Ajax when he was a teenager, moved to Man City, and it hasn't gone that well for him. He hasn't got the games he wanted, and he's left on a free transfer to Hertha Berlin in the Bundesliga. So another player from the Netherlands that's um, headed off to Germany and what do you think about his chances? I know I know if you visit our YouTube channel We've got a video out um, at the moment about the top 10 wonder kids you could watch this season um, And Durrelson is in there for a good reason because he does have potential Michael you watched him a lot when he was a teenager, didn't you? Um, yeah, he was, he's been a part of the Dutch national team youth squads for years um, But again, he was tempted to England um, Far too young. If you look at it, the same with Rodney Congolo, he went to Manchester City around the same sort of time. He's now at here in Veen. Um, he was never going to break into Manchester City first team, and I think this is a great move for him. If you actually um, type his name into to Twitter, and you'll see all the Hereford Berlin fans um, tweeting about him already because they're impressed with him. Um, I know he scored in one of our preseason friendlies. I think it was last week. And they're really impressed with the amount of pace he has because that's what he is. He's a very fast, tricky winger. Um, he scores goals. He's done it for Netherlands under-19s. He was called up to under-21s recently, even though he doesn't get any games for Manchester City. He's highly rated in the Netherlands with the youth coaches. And, um, you know, Hereford Blinds a place where he can finally show himself at top-level football. And I think it's going to be a good, interesting player to keep an eye on next season. Another one is um, Tai Chong. Uh, he hasn't made a move this summer, but could he be in for a really exciting season as well? Um, in a word, no. Um, but only because he has Jose Mourinho as his manager. Um, uh, Manchester United fans are getting very excited because he's part of the first team um, training in America and he's been part of the pre-season friendlies. So he's really impressed in one he set up and he cries in goal. A lot of the fans are raving about him. But then after the game... Jose Mourinho basically said he's not strong enough for the first team at the moment. He'll play in the academy next season um, and he might get some cup game action, but until he basically becomes stronger and more physical, then he ain't going to get into the, 
the Premier League side. So either, hopefully, a loan move away would be the ideal situation. And um, but whether Manchester United will allow that, we'll wait and see. But until somebody that is more inclined to give youngsters a chance um, comes in at that club, then I don't think he's going to really get a shot. Which is a shame because he's he's a hugely talented player. Manchester United fans want to see him in the, the eleven. They have such a history of blooding their own youth under Sir Alex Ferguson, but under Mourinho it's all about you will see what he did to Memphis Depay and some of the players that come through Martial, you know, it's very defensive work. Um, I don't think Chong has that defensive mentality that Mourinho loves and uh, I can't see him breaking into the first team this year until he moves away. It's interesting how it, it Chung will be staying with the youth team at Manchester United. Why, why is it there's almost a bit of apprehension for getting a low move? And this isn't the only player that this has been the case with. Um, when I spoke to Dacian Redan, he, what he sort of said that, oh, well, this season I'm going to be with the academy for another season. Why don't these players look for a low move instead? Isn't that more beneficial? Or is staying with the youth team better for their development? I don't think they have an awful lot of say. Um, I think the main negotiations are done by agents and the clubs and the player hears about potential interest. I think in the uh, in the Premier League, it's not very transparent in terms of other leagues. Uh, in terms of potential loan moves coming about, you hear more from the, the Dutch league, for example, with loans between domestic clubs and different divisions and, and Germany and Spain. You don't necessarily hear about that for younger players in the Premier League. So I think that a lot of young players don't really have as much as to say as they would like because I think the uh, the power lies with their agent and the uh, the manager of the club in terms of as whether they go on loan or not. I think it's interesting though because if you look at other Premier League clubs, they all have, say Chelsea or Manchester City, they've got these feeder clubs that they send their youth talents to. Um, I'm pretty sure Manchester United used to have one in Belgium. I don't know if it was Antwerp. Um, he used to send all the youth talents to... I think they don't really have one right now. Um, I think it's... A lot of youngsters, maybe, they don't want to take the risk. I think Chong knows that at maybe the Premier League under-23s, if he continues there, he might get a chance. But if he gets sent on loan to an English championship side and he isn't physically ready, then that could maybe damage his career at Manchester United. If you look at Rodney Congolo, last season he didn't stay with Manchester City, he went to Doncaster Rovers. And if you actually look at what Doncaster Rovers fans thought of Con Congolo, they didn't think he was very good. And then he goes back to Manchester City and he's instantly sold. I think it's about taking a risk. I think Chong needs to realise that he's not going to get closer to the national team or to his potential if he's just going to stay in the under-23 league he needs to be braver and ask and plead with Manchester United's bosses to let him go if they're not going to use him and at the main point just not move to these clubs at such a young age because there's so much evidence that it just doesn't work you know Daniel Malin who signed for Arsenal he's now back at PSV and he's he's going to be part of the first team this season if he was still at Arsenal would he still be in under-23s? Probably um, so they need to be smarter and realise that these moves aren't probably the best for their career oh, well Michael and James thank you for this week thank you yeah, you're more thank than you. welcome yep I think um, first podcast after World Cup I think we can all say that it was a good World Cup but let's hope it's the last one I thought Netherlands there for uh, 
for the foreseeable future because a World Cup without Aranya is just not worth watching. <laughs>